Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, March the 28th, 2023. It is currently 1026 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my voice has kind of a a late night sound to it, right? I was thinking right before I went live, I, I was thinking I kind of have a morning voice, an afternoon voice, an evening voice, and then a late night voice. My my voice, I don't know, gets almost a little deeper. I don't know. I don't know if you notice it, but as soon as I started talking, I'm like, Yep, that late night voice is here. I hope that adds something to this discussion because I think the late night voice usually sounds more serious, maybe not as fun or maybe as sarcastic or or maybe I think I come across not as serious at certain times of the day. My voice sounds that way. Maybe I sound more excited at different times of the day. Because of the seriousness of this subject, I think the late night voice and the late night pacing will work. I hope it does because I really want to capture the seriousness of this subject because not only of the number of emails I have received over probably the last five days directly related to this subject, but because of my own struggles with it. You, you heard a little bit of my struggles when I did a podcast episode about, I think, something entitled Prayer and Tornadoes, about the tornadoes that hit that, what, killed 26 people. And there was a, meteor, a meteorologist on television who, uh, you know, prayed you know, because he saw on the radar that this tornado was going to hit. And he's like, you know, help them, you know, Jesus, help them, and, or, you know, Lord, help them in Jesus' name, I pray, something along those lines. And of course, he prayed before the tornado hit, but 26 people died. So I, I you know, I talked about my struggles with that. Uh, I talked about my struggles with the fact that um, we read things about God being provider and he's all powerful, yet children die every, what, 10 seconds from starvation around the world. And and so I, you heard me do a broadcast where I struggled about that. You heard me do a broadcast struggling a little bit with the horrible shooting that happened in Nashville. And once again, relating it to prayer, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And while the school shootings keep happening and they keep happening. So you, you've heard some of my emotions in regards to some of these subjects, because I do get emotional and I do struggle. Many of you know that I've stated it. I don't ever try to pretend. And look, that's the one thing when you're doing a podcast, sometimes, you know, well, at least well, I can only speak for me. I, I, I don't like church answers. I don't like church talk. I don't like all of it. I just sometimes it feels like it's a big production and everyone's playing a part and they give you a script and here's what you're supposed to say. And, and I just, I, I, I'm going to tear up the script. I'm taking off the mask. I'm not playing the part. So what I try to do as much as I can is try to be as, as real as I can be about my own struggles and my own problems. And when it comes to the subject of prayer, well, everyone knows I struggle with the whole concept. I struggle, struggle. I don't, 
There, look, I'm not even going to try to pretend. You may not like that. You may be like, well, I'm going to listen to someone who's more spiritual. Well, go ahead. Find the spiritual people. But for the rest of us who struggle and want to just try to live out our Christian life, but yet being honest and real with our struggles, our failures, our doubts, our pain, our confusion, our, our, our bitterness, whatever issues we have, for the rest of us who just know we're sinners and know we struggle, hopefully you find a home here with this podcast because I struggle. You know, I wasn't saved very long. Everyone knows I got called to the principal's office, sent to the hospital, get to the hospital. There's my mother. Basically, one side of her body is not moving. The other side is kind of almost like a, a, a seizure. And uh, they're like, you know, well, basically she had an aneurysm. It, she's in bad shape. We don't think she's going to make it. And, you know, and so I leave the hospital, go to the church. I'm a new Christian. I, I spend the night in the church. I pray basically for 24 hours, screaming, begging, pleading, doing anything like, God, you're all powerful. You can do this. You know, I used to be doing drugs. I used to be doing this. I used to be doing that. Now that I'm a believer, Lord, please, I'm begging you. And well, my mother died. That was that was a Friday afternoon. All, I prayed all from Friday afternoon all the way to Saturday. She died, uh, I think, early Monday morning. So it did not take long. She was gone. My father gets cancer. Pray he died. All the prayers didn't stop it. I can't, I've talked about other people. So, so I struggle sometimes. Like, you know, so we pray, we pray. And people, some people say, well, that's just God saying no. Well, okay, well, wonderful. Great. That I'm glad that makes you happy and you can deal with it. But I struggle with a lot about how does prayer work? How does, how does it work? What does it, what does it do? And, and how do, how do, how do I handle it? I, I, I just struggle, right? I just struggle because, well, in one hand, if God is sovereign and he works everything according to his good pleasure and will, well, then how is my prayer going to impact that? And if my prayer can change that, well, then how does that work with God's sovereignty? And, and then, I know that there are certain things because people say, well, if you pray according to God's will, well, then God's going to always answer in the affirmative. Really? Because I can pray that I will stop sinning. Lord, you don't want me to sin, right? You condemn it. You call me to be holy. Okay, then take away my sinful nature. Help me never sin again. Well, guess what? I'm going to continue to sin, 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 sin. So then wait a minute. I thought God would answer anything according to his will. Just, just help me stop sinning. I don't want to sin anymore, ever. And thought, word, deed, and action, and motivation. Oh, well, I'm still going to sin. Okay, well then, so how does that work? Like, I, I, I can just go on and on and on and on and on about all of the complexities that come in there. At the same time, by no means am I saying the scriptures aren't true. By no means am I denying the fact that we are called to pray. We are called to pray. I'm just being open and honest with my difficult, my struggles with the, the reality that I see around me. Now, the good thing is, is clearly I'm not alone because I've received a lot of emails recently where people are struggling with the same concepts. Let me just read just the first line of one that I received just a little while ago, or not a little while ago, a couple of days ago. I think the, uh, the other one I received a couple of hours ago, this one a couple of days ago. Here's what they say. I love their honesty. After over 40 years of being a Christian, I'm still confused by what prayer actually is and how and what we're supposed to use it for. 
I confess, I don't pray much. Wow. That hit me hard. It hit me hard because there's someone else who's, after 40 years of being a Christian, they're still confused. After all the years I've been a Christian, I'm still confused. After all the Bible colleges, all the seminaries, all the Bible institutes, all of the degrees that I may have in theology, religious education, biblical studies, I still don't understand it. I'm still confused by it. I, I, it just at times it makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, this person goes on to say, when we don't get what we prayed for, then we deduce, well, it wasn't God's will. When we do get what we prayed for, then we say, well, God answered our prayers. But was it an answered prayer or was it what God had already planned and our prayers had nothing to do with it in the first place? I added in the first place, nothing to do with it. The points you bring up are brutally honest and disturbing if you are a Bible-believing Christian. These points are the very reasons atheists give for not believing in God. So why, when confronted with reality versus the Bible, do you still believe while others left the church over this? And that's a good question. I don't have a good answer other than, here's, and, and so let me read this again. So why, when confronted with reality versus the Bible, do you still believe while others left the church over this? Here, here's the thing I've always done. Here's what I do. There's, and I'll just kind of answer some of this right here. I've got some specific questions from an email, but let me just try to explain. Here's how I've always approached this. There's so much about Christianity, so much, that just leaves me completely, 1,000% philosophically unsatisfied, bothered, almost at times horrified, confounded, confused, perplexed, bothered, disturbed, discouraged, depressed. And I think that that's not even hyperbole. That's not even a, a complete accurate description of how bothered certain things about Christianity gets me. Let me, I'll give you an example. You know, I say it all the time. Everyone in my church knows what I'm about to say. To me, the most disturbing verse in the entire Bible is Genesis 1-1. I don't understand Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, okay, there's the beginning. Now, obviously, it's referring to the beginning of creation. In the beginning, God. God is already there before he creates anything. God, because God is eternal. Got it. God is eternal. He's there. In the beginning, God created. Now I have a problem. Not because I don't believe God is creator, but I have a problem knowing the God who created supposedly has these attributes. All-powerful. Well, that would make sense. He can't create everything if he's not all-powerful. So he's all-powerful. Number two, he's supposedly all-knowing, omniscient. So if the all-powerful God creates a world, he's omniscient. He knows exactly what's going to happen to this world. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows that the, the, the angelic being that he created, Satan, Lucifer, is going to fall. He knows that, but he creates him anyway. Now, once Satan falls, he knows he can destroy him. But no, he doesn't destroy him. He somehow lets him come to the very creation, earth, that he created. And the two people, Adam and Eve, that he created, and he put them in this garden. He allows this angelic being 
to come into the garden. He knew he was going to come into the garden before he was even created. Then he lets him into the garden. He could have kept him out of the garden, but no, no, no. He, he lets him come into the garden. Now he knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows Eve is going to sin. He knows Adam is going to sin. So before he created, he knew they were going to sin. He knew it. Now, once they sinned, he could have destroyed them and could have stopped everything. Now, some people come on, well, no, 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 see, see, because God needed, no, God didn't need anyone. He wasn't lonely because you, then you would say there's an imperfection in God. He knew this was going to happen. But what does he do? He creates knowing everything's going to happen. And what happens from that point on? There has been death. There has been murder. There has been rape. There has been deception. There has been every kind of sin and suffering you can imagine. There has been war. There has been famine. There has been plague. There has been child molestation. There has been every war, every kind of atrocity that you can possibly imagine from racism to every other slavery, every other horrible thing. He knew knew it was all going to happen. And at no point has God stepped in to stop it. Six million Jews exterminated in World War II. Look at how many people have died in all the wars. Now, people say, well, he gave them free will. Even if you say, well, he gave them free will, he's the one giving them free will, knowing exactly what they're going to use the will for. And some people say, well, this is to, I don't know what that's supposed to prove. So God knew all So then how do you process this? If he knew it was going to happen, then it was it a part of his plan. Some people say, well, it can't be a part of his plan. We got to remove God from it. Well, it, it just goes on and 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 on. And you struggle and you struggle and you struggle. So I, so immediately I am, I know that these things are philosophically not satisfying. So some people will say, well, others leave the church over these things. Well, wait, why would a loving God let this happen? You can pray about it. God doesn't seem to answer your prayer. Why even, why? So they turn to atheism. But here's the problem. So this is what I do. I don't have answers for any of that. That's why I love the book of Job, because he didn't get any answers. And if Job didn't get any answers, nobody else in the Bible got any answers. So we don't get any answers. So you know what? The Bible even basically indicates we're not going to get answers to any of this. Who knows what happens when it's all over and we're standing in the presence of God? Maybe it will all make sense, but I don't think it will ever make sense. From the perspective of us, it may make perfect sense from the perspective of an eternal, all-knowing, wise, holy, perfect, righteous God, but it does not make sense in the minds of a very, 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 very weak and limited in knowledge people. It doesn't make any sense, but I do know this. Okay, let's say I abandon all of it. I abandon Christianity. I abandon the Bible. I abandon theism. I abandon all, and I go embrace atheism. What am I left with? First, I've got everything here. So how did it get here? Well, then I got to believe on one Tuesday and, you know, 16 billion years ago, something blew up and then here we all are. Okay, well, I'm sorry. That that is philosophically not satisfying. We're just here by chance, random chance and time. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's nothing. We're just here. Okay. So we're just here. All right. Now, wait a minute. We're just here. But I see all this stuff going on in the world that I think is horrible. I think children being molested is horrible. Children being abused. And I got all of these horrible things that have happened throughout history. Well, from an atheistic perspective, do do I say that's wrong? 
Do I say it's right? Well, on what basis am I saying that those acts are evil? Do I even say evil exists? And if there is no God and we're just products of evolution, then we don't have a sinful nature. Then why can't people just be basically good? And and, and well, then, then, then I'm using terminology like good and evil and bad and wrong and right. But who determines right and wrong? So then I'm left with morality is either determined by the majority or morality is either determined by the minority or morality is determined by the individual. And all three of those have serious, 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 serious problems. So if I turn to atheism, I'm left with just as perplexing. I have no answers. I don't even really have the basis for answers. There is no, there's no, there's no reason. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. Morality there. Look, I could have morality, but my basis for morality either just has to be on my own individual belief in morality, or I have to listen to what the majority say or what the minority say. And we know how that works in history. So, I mean, life would be just as perplexing and confusing to me that way. So that's why leaving theism doesn't help. But within theism, even though I don't have answers, I at least have some kind of, okay, we're here for a reason. I don't understand the reason. There's a basis for morality. And then there's at least a hope that all the things I know that, like, I know that I do things wrong. Even if I want to throw out theism, there's a, there's a, there's something in me telling me I do something wrong. Where does that come from? Okay. Well, that's God's laws written on my heart. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. But at least there's hope for forgiveness, a hope for heaven. But at the same time, Christianity leads to other disturbing issues like, well, wait a minute. So God creates a world knowing this is going to happen. Everyone is born with a sinful nature. But if we don't believe people burn for eternity, okay, that's that's philosophically disturbing. Atheism would at least remove that, but then we just go back to dirt and there's no rhyme or reason why we even existed in the first place. In other words, I struggle with all of these questions. So for me, you say, well, why do you still in a sense, hold to the Bible, hold to this. Because I, I believe by faith, and I, and, I, and I say this all the time, well, I've said this before recently, that the Christian life is a life of faith, and we live that faith in contradiction to the reality we see. Now, I don't say a denial of the reality. I don't say we pretend that reality doesn't exist. We acknowledge the reality exists, but we continue by faith to follow what the scriptures say even though we know it contradicts in many cases reality. We don't deny, it's not that we pretend or change. No, we say, no, that's the reality. People aren't healed. That's the reality. You can pray forever about tornadoes, hurricanes, blizzards, floods, thunderstorms. Well, they're all going to happen and people are going to die. You can play, 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 pray about cancer. People are going to die. You can pray that children stop being molested. It's still going, like, oh, that's just a reality. My faith says, pray. Reality says, well, it doesn't appear to be working. Faith says you do it anyway because God tells you, tells you to. So faith is, uh, Christianity is living a life of faith that contradicts the reality, but we don't deny the reality. But that's why I can't just, I, I can't abandon Christianity because what am I left with? I feel like I'm left with absolutely nothing. And that, I, I, I can't, I can't do that. I can't process that. Now, they go on to say this um, in their email. Let's see here. Um, 
It seems like the charismatic world was born because they could not reconcile reality with the teachings of the Bible. They had to create a dishonest fantasy world that lined up more with the Bible. Their fake tongues, fake healings, and so-called answered prayers are an example of that. I've listened to your teaching long enough to know you would never create a fantasy world to line up with the Bible, but you're saying that reality doesn't always line up with what we may have uh, thought we learned about faith and prayer from reading the Bible. Yeah, I, I, there's, look, the, the Bible tells me, put it this way, I don't know if it doesn't line up. The Bible put it this way, the Bible points me to a, of truths that seem not to correspond with the reality we see. And maybe you use the word contradict, and I would probably use the word sometimes. I'm just saying the Bible says God, there's a creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, and sovereign who does whatever he wants, and then yet there's all this horrible pain and suffering. I, I can't reconcile how a loving, holy God could let this. I don't understand. I don't understand. I know that the Bible says pray, 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 and gives me all of these promises about prayer, yet <laughs> you can pray and this happens and you can pray and this happens and you can pray and this happens and you can, and I, I, I don't, I can't reconcile that. Uh, the elephant in the room seems to be the inerrancy of the Bible. Or it says, uh, they say, oh, yes, obviously, if we cherry pick the Bible, it's worthless. The book of Job has always caused problems for our very idea of a loving God. Why would God cause so much death and destruction to Job's family and use him like a pawn on a chessboard just to teach Satan a lesson? Oh, I know. I, I, I don't have any good answers. What I do love about Job is God doesn't give Job the answers, meaning I have no idea what's going on in it. The only thing in Job, we're given, we're, we're taken up into heaven to give into some idea of what's going on, but it makes no sense because you're right. Job just looks like a, a pawn on a chessboard, but Job is never given any answer. Meaning one, I'm not even given insight to what's going on in heaven. And two, I'm not given any answers either about the things that's happened in my life. I, I, I can't explain it either. I, I completely agree. They say, I still don't have uh, answers to these questions, but I can't stop believing. I can't stop studying the Bible. And he says, am I a fool? Well, then we're, I think, I think we're all full of fool in that sense, because I, can, I can't stop believing currently. And I'm definitely not stop studying the Bible because I, I've studied it and 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 studied it. All right. It says, thank you for your honesty about prayer. Glad to know I'm not the only one who has serious questions about it. There's another paragraph here, but they get kind of a little bit more personal about their life, and I don't want to share that on, on a live broadcast. But I just love the fact that this person is struggling with the same reality, and I don't have any easy answers. The answer, the, the way I approach it is, okay, throw out God. What am I left with? I'm still not left with any answers. I'm still left with pain, suffering, death. Horrible things happening that now I don't even have a basis of morality to say they're horrible. I, I'm left with even more confusion. At least I'm like, okay, with the Bible, I'm like, I've got a system of morality. I've got a God. I've got an explanation for why we're here. I've got some hope for where we're going. I've got some hope for forgiveness of sins. I've got some hope for salvation. So may you, it, it may be foolish to cling to it, but I... To throw it away, I, I'm, what am I clinging to then? Absolutely nothing. So someone sent me an email this evening with some questions. 
Now, I may just kind of talk a little bit about them now, try to give them some kind of a, these are going to be very simplistic answers, very, very simplistic now. And then the person who emailed me can ask for follow-up or ask for clarification, and it will go into more detail if we need to. We can, we'll work on these subjects. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to do some things on prayer maybe somewhere here in 2023 because I'm just feeling, obviously, remember, I always say this podcast follows the direction a lot of, 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 of the listeners' participation. Your participation determines where we go, and there's a lot of questions here about this, and I don't have good answers. But I'm willing to struggle with you. That, I, that's the one thing I will tell you. I don't have good answers, but if you're struggling, you tell me what you're struggling with. Hey, I may turn on the microphone and talk for 15 hours, but it'll be me struggling with you. It definitely won't be me acting like I've got it all together and we'll struggle together to figure it out. That's the one thing I can promise you. But here we go. Number one, how can I know I'm praying for the right things? Well, my, here's my simple answer. Is your prayer violating a clear scripture? Are you praying for something the Bible clearly would tell you not to pray for? Right? Hey, uh, Lord, I'm praying that you'll give me uh, $50 today because I'm going to get wasted drunk if I get it. Okay, well, I'm praying for money so that I can get drunk. Well, clearly drunkenness is a sin. Lord, I'm praying that uh, that I can get a ticket to Las Vegas because I want to sleep with three prostitutes. Okay, well, I know that's extreme examples, but look, here's the thing. If the scripture clearly forbids it or condemns it or tells you not to do it, well, then you can't be praying to get it. All right, does that make sense? You may want it, you may desire it, and you can talk to God about, look, I know I want the wrong thing. I know I'm desiring the wrong thing, but you can't say, God, give me the wrong thing. All right, does that make sense? So how do I know I'm praying the right thing? Scripture, 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 scripture. Read, study, 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 observe, interpret. The more you know the scriptures, the more you would say, well, I don't know if God would want me praying for that. If it's not specifically forbidden, if it's not specifically condemned, if it's not, there's not a clear violating a scripture, then by all means, pray for it. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how insignificant, pray, 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 pray as much as your heart is content. Number two, how can I pray effectively for someone I can't communicate with? Well, you don't need to, uh, uh, here's my take. Prayer is communication with God. You're talking to God. You can talk to God about anyone. You don't need to communicate with them. God knows who they are. God knows where they are. God is present with them. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere at all times. He knows everything about the person. God, I'm praying for this person. They don't even know who I am. They don't even know I'm praying. They don't need to know you're praying. That has them knowing you're praying. You, you know, you, you, you just say, God, here's this person. I'm lifting them before you. You know what they need. I don't even know what they need. I'm not communicating with them. I don't know what they're going through. You know what they're going through. You, you always know that you can pray for every person. You know you can pray specific thing, the most important thing, for their salvation. Pray that, that you know, they're studying their Bible, finding a church, or if they're not saved, praying God have mercy on them. Bring them to salvation. But you can pray for anything else for them. You know, you, you can pray for anything else regarding them, but, you, you know, it, you're communicating with God. And so you just say, here's the person. God already knows where they live. He knows exactly what they're going through. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're feeling. He knows everything. You just say, Lord, here's who. 
Here they are. I present them before you. I'm bothered. I am worried. And you can express to God your worry, your fear, your concern, your, your, what your heart is troubled by. And you just hand it to God and you hand the person to God. And then, well, then you just leave it in God's hands at that point. Is there anything I can do to make my prayer more effective? Oh, boy. Okay, well, most would quote... There's a lot of scripture on this. When I was a young Christian, I would go through all the scriptures that would seem to say things that would hinder your prayer, and there's a lot of them, but um, most would go to this scripture, if I can find it. Uh, James 5.16, confess your faults to one another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So a lot of people will say that the level of one's righteousness determines the effectiveness of one's prayer. But then how do you judge your righteousness? Are you judging it off some artificial list? Here's what I know. I am perfectly righteous in Christ Jesus because of imputed righteousness. So is Christ's perfect righteousness not sufficient to make my prayers effectual? Hey, I've got Christ, uh, 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 I've got Christ uh, um, imputed righteousness it's perfect, his perfectly imputed righteousness. I've got the imputed righteousness of Christ, which is perfect, but that doesn't impact my prayer life, only my practical righteousness. Well, no matter how practically righteous you are, how, I mean, so like, how do you judge this? Well, I'm, I'm practically righteous because, well, I haven't killed anyone. I, I haven't slept with a prostitute. I'm not doing drugs. Yeah, but what about the 50 other things that you're doing internally, externally? Like, how do you judge yourself to say the, 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 your prayer becomes effective? It, or you have an effectual prayer life if you're righteous. So what people typically do is like, well, as long as you're not committing a big sin. Why would you look to the imperfect righteousness of yourself to make your prayer more effectual? You cling to the fact that I approach you, God, in prayer. When, when, and, and sometimes in my personal prayer, I'm like, Lord, I come before you today not because I'm righteous, not because I'm holy, but I come covered in the perfect righteousness of your son that's been imputed to my account by faith. I approach the throne because I'm clothed in your son's righteousness. The basis of my prayer is not my righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus. That's, that's how I approach that. I know nobody would agree with me on that, but you can try to be more righteous if you think it'll work. But, but here's the thing. If you think, here's the thing. People try to come up with a formula to make their prayer more effective. If I do this and I don't do this and I do this and I don't, there is no formula that, there's not a formula. If there was a formula, everyone would use the formula. Hey guys, here's five steps that you'll always get an answer to prayer. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Because, because then it would be the formula that would be sovereign. And the form, God is sovereign. Can I know my prayers are having an effect? I think, honestly, you really can't. I don't, I think, I don't think you, you can, no, honestly. Even if you see an external sign that your prayer, like especially when you're dealing with other people. Hey, look, I've been praying for this person and look at them now. It doesn't really, you don't really know what that means. Any external, any external signs of godliness, any external uh, signs of righteousness. And it, you don't even know what that really means because six months from now, a year from now, they could be an atheist. 
I mean, you really don't know. Oh, here's the thing. Prayer is communicating. I try to focus on prayer is us talking to God. It's getting our focus on God. I just leave it with God. I don't even try to measure if my prayer is being effect- effective or effectual. Now, some people, I, I, I used to teach a lot by having a prayer journal and that you write down the date of your prayer and then you can write down updates in it. You can do that. Sometimes that encourages people. I just say, here, God, here's the problem, here's the situation, and I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be effectual. I don't know. I don't know. I just leave it with God, and I, I, I can't give it much more thought. How can I love what I have more and not lust after vain imaginations? Well, here's the thing. First of all, you've got a sinful nature. Your sinful nature will ne- is never going to leave you. It's never going to be dead. It's always going to be in you. And it's always going to love what you don't have. And it's always going to lust after vain imaginations. Now, I don't say that to say so that you'll feel defeated. That's just a harsh reality you're going to have to come to grips with right now. Your hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ and his imputed righteousness. Rest in that. Now, how can you? I don't know if there's an easy formula. One, being open and honest when you're not. Being open and honest with what you really are desiring, not pretending to be desiring the right things, but open and honest with yourself. Confess it to God. Tell God, hey, Lord, you know what? Um, I don't love what I have. I'm lusting after something else. I'm not, I'm not happy with, it's, it's being honest with God. Now, sometimes if, if you have other, someone you can truly, 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 truly trust, you can tell sometimes that's helpful, but you know, then you got to really trust them. But I know this, you can tell God, you can just tell God being blunt and honest, Lord, this, look, this is what I want right there. That's what I want above everything else. And I know I'm not supposed to have it. Forgive me for that. And then the more you say it and the more you acknowledge how wrong it is, then obviously go to scripture that tells you how wrong it is and just remember and remind yourself of that. And then continue the battle of trying to die to self and deny self. There's no easy answers here. There's not a five-step formula. Keep focused on spiritual things. And that's the next question. How can I stay focused on eternal things instead of getting caught up in worldly things? I mean, there's, there's no easy answer. It's a constant battle every day. You have to go, okay, what am I going to do today? Like, what am I going to do? But I think you got to be careful not to get, well, I focused on a worldly thing. I've committed 13 sins. I think the, the issue is, remember, you focus on the fact of what you are in Christ. You're perfect. You're holy. You're righteous. You're perfect in Christ. I'm not saying this excuses our behavior. But we got to find that comfort and peace in that, peace in that, and that motivates me. But all you can do is trying to discipline yourself that, okay, I'm going to read my Bible, or I'm going to listen to a sermon, or I'm going to listen to a Christian podcast, or I'm going to listen to audio Bible, or, you know, a, a good, I, I love good conservative Christian radio stations. I talk about the apps all the time, Redeemer broadcasting app, RefNet app. Uh, sermons 2.0 app that there's a radio they have radio with sermon there uh you know you can listen to it um by uh by bbn bible broadcasting network family radio 
a fundamentalist broadcast, fundamental broadcasting network. Um, I try to find these conservative, conservative stations because it's much more, it doesn't feel like entertainment. It's focused on scripture and devotion. And so trying to do that, you just have to kind of come up with what things can I do in the day to keep my focus on Christ? I don't think that means you should feel bad forever doing anything else. I don't have this, uh, you know, I don't think you should be too worried about that so much. Just do what you can spiritually. And how do I live a life of thankfulness for the people I do have in my life? Well, I don't know if I have an easy answer there. I think the question would be, why, uh, why are you not thankful for them? Are you taking them for granted? Well, like, like what, what's leading to the uh, unthankfulness and being open and honest and pursuing that line of reasoning of why you're not? You can tell God, hey, I'm not being, I'm not thankful for the people in my life. And Lord, I don't know why. You can focus on scripture that tells, I think, aren't we supposed to give thanks in everything? Right? Is that not a scriptural mindset? I don't know if I have an easy answer for that. I think here's the reality. Every single Christian, we're just sinners. We're just sinners who have been forgiven, not because we're righteous, but because of Christ's righteousness imputed to my account. You've got to rest in all of that first and foremost. And then that being so grateful for the fact that you're saved, even though you're still a sinner with a sinful nature, the Christian life is one where we have a sinful nature. What we are practically is not what we are positionally. So we constantly try to live out practically what is true of us positionally, and it's never going to be perfect and it's going to be a struggle. There aren't easy answers. It's just a, a constant feeding yourself God's word and trying to do your best to fight against the flesh. And it's, it's a never-ending battle. Now, there you go. There's some thoughts. There's much more I could say. There's much more I could say, but I will stop right there for right now. Um, but I just think you have to develop resources that help you Get your mind on the things of God, like, you know, the audio Bible, all the Bible apps where you can you know, listen to the Bible being read daily. You know, I hate, I don't like using the term daily devotional because I've talked about the problems with it, but daily time in God's word, right? Truly trying to understand it, listening to good sermons, listening to, you know, good Christian, uh, good Christian radio that is not entertainment driven, but is, it's focused on, Getting your mind on the things of God. And someone, uh, I think, just gave me uh, two thumbs up. Well, wow, thank you so very much. And to that person who gave two thumbs up, thank them very much uh, because they uh, gave a very nice gift to help us get a new computer and uh, to help us with the sound booth. So we're getting really close to being able to start putting all of that into practice. I got to talk to everyone in the church, so thank you. Uh, because like even this morning, we had problems with the uh, computer, so... Um, we're, we're going to have to make that decision soon, but, uh, so thanks to that person. But, um, I wish I, when, sometimes when people ask me these, these questions, I always feel bad because I don't have any easy answer. I wish, I wish the Christian life was just like, you know, here's, here's five steps. You'll be an overcomer. Like, you know, the, 
the Dr. David Jeremiah book. I did a podcast episode about it called Overcomer. You know, hey, you just, all you got to do is you, if you look to Jesus, you can overcome everything. Well, it doesn't work that way. We sin, we fall, we sin, we fall, we sin, we fall. We struggle, we struggle. I'm not excusing anybody's sin. It, it Sometimes it comes down to just you fighting against it. But even that, there's a, there's only a, so much success one can, look, here's, nobody wants to say this within Christianity, but you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be sinless. So there will always be levels of sin and failure in everyone's life. That doesn't excuse it. It's one of the most confounding things about Christianity to me. God's like, be holy. I mean, you're never going to be holy, but be holy. Okay, so I'll be holy in my glorification and I'm holy in my position. So also remember a lot of those commands in scripture, they're just to show you what you can't do, which drives you to the imputed righteousness of Christ. But for every one of those questions asked, I'm willing to struggle with you through every single issue. And I'm willing to say, you know, you tell me, okay, so what if, what about this? And I'm like, well, we could try this or we could, you know, whatever you need. I, you know, I always say it. You tell me what you need. The microphone will go on and I'll go live and I'll talk about it and I'll struggle with it and I'll do what I can. I wish I could fix everything, but I, can, I can't. I wish there were simple. I, I, look, I'm trying to, I try to live out my Christian life every day with my own struggles. Little things I do, again, like, you know, those, I, I, I'm a big promoter of those Christian radio station apps. I'm a big promoter. Lots of times when I feel like my focus has been wrong, then when I, it gets midnight, one in the morning, boom, I'm listening to Bible Broadcasting Network, Fundamental Broadcasting Network, Family Radio, Redeemer Broadcasting, uh, RefNet, uh, Pilgrim uh, Radio, I think it's called. I, I, find, I find these that are super, super conservative where it's not entertaining me. It's, it's hymns. It's devotional thoughts. It's scripture reading. You know, it's, it, that, that, that's what I need. And, and that's not a guarantee. You can put your focus... You can put your focus on everything spiritual. You can put your focus on everything spiritual. Sorry, it was time to take a drink of water there. You can put your focus on everything spiritual. That's not going to make you perfect, and that's not going to make you sinless. I mean, that's the harsh reality of the Christian life. You're called to live a, a morality that we never can ultimately fulfill. That's why you've got to find that comfort and hope and rest in the gospel, not in the law. Any scripture telling you to do something is law. Its primary purpose is to condemn you so that your only hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. All right, email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And I, this is a, uh, you know, I, I forgive me for self-promotion, but if you need something to keep you preoccupied and keep you focused on spiritual things, I got to recommend the Bible study exercise podcast series, because I'm always giving you plenty of things to work on, to dig into the scripture, to keep you focused on that. Most people say I give people too much to do, so they're overwhelmed, but I try to give you so much to do where you never have to worry about not having something to focus on. That's why we do the today's focus or I try to give you something to focus on. So, just a thought. 
All right. I probably didn't answer half the questions there, but I did my best. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Now I go see what I do to finish out this day. Started off rough. Hopefully we're ending it in a more positive way. Not the most encouraging way, but in a way that is much more focused on the reality that we have to live. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful night. I'll be back bright. I won't won't say bright and early in the morning. I'll be back sometime tomorrow, hopefully with a better Today's Focus episode than you got today. Thanks for listening. God bless.